We'll turn now to the chapter we read in the scripture of the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, and uh, looking particularly at the words of verse 9. Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Where art thou? What an old question this is. One of the first questions ever recorded in the history of our world. You would think there is surely no need anymore uh, to consider anything further about such an old question. Surely a question asked so long ago has long since been answered. And yes, of course, it was answered. There is an answer given by Adam recorded right alongside the question in the very next verse. But despite the answer given, it remains an important question and a relevant question to this day. It's also a daunting question, I think, isn't it? And yet it's also a question we should be glad of. This ancient question is the very first record that we have of God coming, seeking for the sinners of mankind. It is, in fact, the very first time God engaged in the salvation of a sinner. No angel that fell ever had a question like this put to him. God never came. The devil never heard these words directed at him. He never had God in his mercy come to seek him as a lost sheep. So they are certainly solemn words. In many ways, they are words full of dread and majesty of God. But they are words that fall into the special category of Better to have questions asked of us than not. Better to hear these words, even if they frighten us, than to hear nothing at all and but silence. Better that God is searching our hearts and demanding answers of our condition than simply leaving us to the madness of sin and the doom of our wicked guilt. So then I want us all to try this morning to answer this question for ourselves. Where art thou? First of all, then, hiding from the presence of the Lord. Hiding from the presence of the Lord. Where art thou? Hiding from the presence of the Lord. The most obvious and literal answer is a fine place to start. We don't need to go past and find anything more complex. Adam and Eve hid amongst the trees of the garden when they heard the presence of the Lord God walking in the garden. Now, how they heard his presence in that way, at what manner he appeared to walk in the garden, we simply do not know, but they recognized his nearness, and they chose to hide from him. Remember, of course, that 
they have both just taken of the fruit forbidden from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And both had their eyes open to see their guilt, just a matter of moments before. Conscience was making its first searing strike upon their hearts. Never before had they known this inner pain. Never before had they felt the fires of guilt in their bosom. Never before the awful crushing conviction as their companion. Such then was their guilt that the intensification of that guilt by the nearness of God was to them unbearable, and they chose to run away and to hide rather than to face God in his nearness. And there they stood, half hidden amongst the trees of the garden. It's interesting, isn't it, that when they first recognized that something was wrong and they knew that they were naked and they began to feel their guilt in, their, in the presence of one another. What did they do? They took some leaves from the trees. They sewed them together and they made themselves aprons to cover. A few leaves were sufficient in their eyes to cover up their guilt in the, the eyes of the other. Adam to Eve and Eve to Adam. But yet it, took, it seemed to take all the trees of the Garden of Eden to try and hide themselves from the presence of God. Such was the intensification of the conviction of sin that they suffered. And there they stood, and friend, where art thou this morning? Are you here today and you're hiding from the presence of the Lord? You know you can do that even in church. You might think it's a strange place to hide. But you know, a sinner can try to hide from the presence and the nearness of God, even in church on a Sunday morning. Are you unable to bear the nearness of God? Is it like a hot poker to your soul? Are you trying to keep yourself away from God, and God away from you today? Are you hoping to escape out the back door in the same way you came? Oh, where art thou? What is your condition this morning, dear hearer of the gospel, as you sit under the sound of the word of God and the truth of Christ? You might be the youngest person here paying attention to these words. But where are you? Are you hiding away from God by busying yourself in some other thing, in some trees of the forest? Are you hiding in your schooling? Are you hiding in your studies? Are you hiding in your games? Are you hiding in your computers? Are you hiding from God amongst your friends? If you're a little bit older, are you hiding from God with your job, with your occupation, with your children, with your parenting, with your mortgage, with your house? Are you hiding amongst these trees? You can hide even in old age. Hide behind the idea that it's too late. Hide behind the trees of limited capacities, slowing down, not able to deal with it, too tired to think. How many trees does it take to keep you hidden from God? The answer is always just one more. How many things do you do every day 
But if you really looked at them, you'd find that all you're doing is trying to make sure that there's enough foliage between you and the Almighty that you can't see him. And therefore you think he can't see you. But always, friends, in the gospel, his voice comes again and again. His presence comes near. And do you not find that you have to push ever deeper into the forest of your sins, into the forest of your distractions, burying your head in the sand, as it were, to avoid the hearing of these words, where art thou? If you think it over today, friend, what is it that you use to keep you from the nearness of God? What do you turn to in order to avoid noticing how close God is getting to you? What do you do to try and make sure God isn't going to notice you? That can be a reason why people come to church. They're not pursuing great wickedness. Therefore, their conscience doesn't smite them so much, and their conscience doesn't smite them. Then why should God be too concerned? What are you trying to do to make sure God won't notice you? Or the other end of the spectrum, are you trying to make sure that God won't want you? Such as your pursuit of sin. Where art thou? These three words can be words that haunt the daily life of a sinner. But in the sense that it is a good thing, we long, friends, that these words would break through your very best defenses. Because you need to listen. You need to stop running for a moment. Running deeper into the thicket. You need to pause and consider, am I hiding from the presence of God? Am I doing what Adam did in the garden? What Eve did in the garden? And there are ways to tell if you are. If you're trying to drown out thinking about God by keeping yourself so busy from the time you get up to the time you go to bed that there's never space in your life to think about God you are hiding. If you're hoping every time you go to bed on Saturday night that Monday will come quickly and your life will still be the same and the gospel won't have changed you, you're hiding from the Lord. If you find yourself picking up more and more sin leaves to try and cover you, if you're choosing worldly company more, worldly thinking more, if you're drowning out God from your life by immersing yourself in the things of this world, maybe social media, phone calls, gossip, sports, studies, whatever it might be, work or family even, are you hiding from the presence of God? If you are aware that God is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Are you yet resisting seeking him for yourself? You know he's there, but you don't want him. If you're trying to add in your power, never to have that confrontation where you meet God face to face. Then you are a hider. Hiding in the trees of life, in the trees of sin, in the trees of the garden. That's where you are. 
Where art thou? That brings us to another question. Why are you there? Secondly, deceiving yourself about why you hide from God. Deceiving yourself. There are many other souls hiding in the trees beside you. You might not have noticed them. But when God comes calling in his gospel, suddenly the plains empty and the bushes are full of souls hiding from the presence of God. It gets crowded amongst the trees. But why? Why are you and so many others hiding from God? Well, if we notice Adam's answer to God, we soon discover why he said he was hiding. I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Verse 10. Now, at first glance, I have to say Adam's answer seems real. Yes, you can see much that's true there. It seems to be an honest answer. He was afraid. He did hear God's voice. He did know he was naked. He did hide himself. It's a true answer, but it's not the whole truth because something is missing. You think about it. Why do you hide from the voice of God? In the gospel, you should think that through, friend. It matters. Friend, it might be the most important question you have ever asked yourself thus far in your whole life long. Why do I hide from God? Yes, I do. But why? Why am I taken up with so many other things? Why do I thrust these things these trees of distraction between me and God, when God presses in his claims upon me. Why am I afraid of the voice of God? What is it that his voice makes me afraid, so afraid I try to avoid him, avoid being near him? Why do I try to slip past the questioning and the the closing in of the gospel? Why do I try and sneak away when it happens? Why can't I stand my ground? In the face of the grace of the gospel of God. Why? Adam gave an answer, but God knew the answer. And God still knows the answer to this question, why? Why you hide from God? But Adam seems to have let slip this real answer from his mind. He doesn't mention it. Notice what's missing in his answer. His sin is missing from his answer. His eating of the fruit is missing from his answer. The temptation of the devil is eating from his answer. The role of Eve is missing from his answer at this time. Yes, he did hear God's voice. Yes, he was afraid. Yes, he knew he was naked. But Adam was already slipping into the deep deception of sin. It's an anesthetic that sends you to sleep in the presence of God so that you won't have to deal with the pain. Adam was already choosing to let the most crucial fact of all simply float away on a sea of forgetfulness that he had sinned, that he had disobeyed. Everything else came to his mind His fear came to his mind. His nakedness came to his mind. But his sin did not come to his mind. 
hiding from God is in fact the proof of your sin and your guilt before God. That's why you hide. But that's not what your mind wants to admit to yourself. Your heart wants to deceive you into believing it's something else. But the reason that any sinner hides from God is because they sin against God. And they're afraid of God for that reason. And they cover themselves with their own self-righteousness for that reason. Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? That's always what it comes back to. You can try to obscure the reality even from yourself. Deception, self-deception of the heart is a real thing with sin. The real reason why you try to avoid God and his searching of your soul, the real reason why you try to surround yourself with leaves and trees of this world instead of the nearness of the glorious God is your sin. It's your sin that makes you hide. It's your guilt that makes you run away. Oh, where art thou? Steeped in sin is the true answer. Sinking down into the quagmire of unbelief, rebellion, wading neck deep in worldliness is the answer. But notice the deception, the deceitfulness of the heart. Where art thou? Hiding. But why are you hiding? Because I'm afraid. But why are you afraid of me, God? That's the question. The answer is the same as Adam, because you choose to sin. Adam wasn't ready to admit right away why he was hiding. He mentions everything he can think of apart from his disobedience. He refuses to confess his sin and to admit that he has rebelled. That he's a rebel against God. Do you do any better, friend, here today? Do you understand, dear soul, why it is that you are uncomfortable the nearer God gets to your soul? When there are times when the gospel has lifted, as it were, the door of your heart, at times when the law has crushed your your conscience and shaken you over hell, times when you have heard your own voice, in the merciful call of the gospel to your soul, times when the more direct the word of God to your soul, the more intense his presence become, the greater your fright and afraid. Have you known that? Why are you avoiding him? Why do you hide from him? It is all because of your sin. That's why. Guilt. Guilt is what makes you afraid of God. Sin leaves you with an innate desire to avoid the voice of God and the presence of God and the nearness of God and the questions of God. But every single time God asks you, where art thou? Have you shrunk a little bit further back into the trees? Hoping that God's going to give up looking hoping that God's going to finally stop calling 
wishing that your even your ears would go deaf rather than hear it one more time. His voice pains you, and you only want him to stop. Oh, if he would stop, if he would stop calling me, if he would stop looking for me, if he would stop disturbing me. Do you see, friends, the folly of sin, the folly of iniquity? Do you see the treachery of your own heart? Your own heart is a traitor to you in your own bosom. It pants for the silence of God instead of the searching out of sin. It yearns for God to go and sin to stay. That's what you're wanting. God to go and sin to stay. Oh, precious souls, there is a great danger to you. It's a danger greater than sin itself. The danger of hiding away from mercy. Is that why you are where you are today? Because you're hiding from mercy. Thirdly, denying yourself his mercy. Where art thou? Denying myself the mercy of God is where I am. Adam was hiding from the Lord. He was very much afraid of the voice of God. That voice that called him, you see, it also convicted him. It stirred again the guilt of his sin, even as his mind worked to suppress the memory of it. He was trying to push it down, but the voice of God was calling it up. In trying to hide himself from God, Adam was making a catastrophic mistake. One that nearly ruined him even more than his initial sin. If God had left him hiding in these trees, if God had left him and stopped calling him, God hadn't come in the first place. He was avoiding or at least trying to avoid the mercy of God. That voice that called to him, where art thou? There was something personal in that call. The Lord God called to Adam. Notice the exactitude of the text. Where art thou? God was looking for Adam. God was searching, calling for this man. This man who was broken. This man who was sinful. This man who was fallen and corrupted. This man who was for the first time in his life feeling the guilt of conscience and conviction of sin. This dupe of the devil. God is calling for him. Sin made Adam flee. Sin makes us flee. Sin makes cowards of us all. It is the instinct of sin to run away from God. Sin, first of all, severs a relationship with God. But then that's not enough. 
Every sin you take is a step away from God, and it wants further away than ever. You can imagine Adam pressing himself ever deeper into the darkest recesses of the garden, hugging the shadows of the tree, pulling the branches over himself, hiding from the voice of God, calling him, where art thou? But it was exactly the wrong thing to do. It was morally wrong. Honesty, which he knew all about, should have had him admit his sin. Adam knew the law of God. He knew that lying was wrong, that truth was important. He should have admitted his sin. But it was also spiritually wrong because it was hiding from the only hope of mercy that there could be. But we'll say this for Adam. Adam, in hiding from the voice of God in the garden, had more of an excuse than anyone here today. More of an excuse than even the youngest child here today, than the oldest person amongst us. Adam, you see, knew nothing of God's mercy. Adam had never had a promise of mercy made to him. Adam was ignorant of God, even was a God of mercy. Look at Adam as God calls to him. Look at him hiding. Do you see what sin does to a man? A man who just moments before was perfect. Now look at him. Sin has turned him into a coward. Sin has made him utterly miserable. Sin has made him separate from God. Sin recoils from God. That is the nature of sin. And this is the proof of Adam's guilt. Notice God himself offers the explanation. Hast thou eaten of the tree, but have I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? He offers the explanation to Adam, guiding him towards a confession of his sin. I hope, dear friends, as you be going through this today, you've been asking yourself since the very beginning of our sermon, where am I? Where art thou? Because that's still the question of the text to us all. But notice and consider the nature of sin. Because it doesn't change. Sin always leaves guilt. Every time you sin, it makes you guilty. And guilt is what makes us hide from God. Now, of course, as we have noticed, Adam did not know about mercy. So we can perhaps say his hiding was more understandable, even though it was still wrong, more understandable because of that ignorance. You don't have that ignorance. Every one of you here know that God is a God of mercy. 
but the nature of sin is still the same. Even though you know that God offers mercy to sinners, even though you know that God sent his only begotten son to die for sinners on the cross, to deal with their sins, so there would be a just pardoning of iniquity. Even though you have seen sinners saved and know of sinners who are now forgiven and washed clean, yet still you hide. Because sin hides from God, even from his mercy. Sin hides even from his mercy. That's the nature of sin. Where are you? You are hiding from God. You are hiding from this God who is calling you. You are hiding from this God who is full of mercy. You are hiding in your sin. You are hiding in your guilt. These are the trees that you hope will shade you. The leaves that you trust will cover you. You're afraid of this God. You're afraid of his call. You're afraid of his presence. You're afraid of his nearness. Sin makes you afraid of God, afraid of the very thought of God. Even though he's a God of mercy and you know that. Sin sows such unbelief that you're afraid even of the mercy of God. Doesn't the gospel call itself frighten you? You ever wonder why that is? Why should the message of mercy be something that you cower from? Cower from the mercy of God, or more exactly, you cower from the God of mercy. That's where you are. Look at where you are today. You who are yet unsaved. You are hiding from mercy, hiding from pardon, hiding from the only one who can genuinely heal you and change you and clean you and keep you in life forever and bring you safely to heaven. And you're hiding from him this day. God called Adam and God found him. Then God dealt with his sin. God issued a curse on the serpent. And God sent the promise of his son who was to come into the world. The seed of the woman who would bruise the head of the serpent, destroying him and his work. The first promise of Jesus. And then he pictured it for Adam. That he would clothe over his iniquity. God put skins of animals upon them, covering his shame. God's call to Adam was a call of mercy. There was a call to account for himself, yes. It was a call to admit his sin and confess his sin. It was a call to establish his guilt. It was all of these things, certainly, but it didn't stop there. God did not only call Adam to prove Adam's guilt. God was calling Adam to show Adam his own mercy. That's why he was calling him. And that is what left Satan broken. 
but the angels rejoicing. That's what left Adam repentant and pardoned and born again. This is still God's calling, his question of mercy. Where art thou? This is why he still comes close to sinners in the gospel, calling you, sometimes by name, as personally as Adam, if you like, seeking you, pressing for an answer to his voice. Where art thou? Where are you today? His call might frighten you, but it frightens you because of your own sin, not because of any ill will in God and the call of the gospel. Your sin might respond by trying to make you hide deeper, running further away, but that only proves your guilt. And establishes again, once more, your great need. Surely, friends, here today, young and old, surely there is only one way to go today. And that is towards the voice of God in the gospel. Towards the promise of mercy in Christ Jesus. Surely it is time to stop hiding from the shame of your own sin. Time to admit it. Time to confess your guilt and cast yourself on the mercy of God. It's his voice. Where art thou? You know the great joy and comfort is. If you come to him in his call for mercy, then soon you'll be able to answer that question very differently. Say, I am in Christ. I am in grace. I am in pardon. I am in life. I am in the kingdom of God. I am in the temple of the church. I am in the body of Christ. It's not a much better place to be and hiding in the leaves and the trees of sin. Where art thou? Let us pray. Lord, our God, as we come before thee, we thank thee for all that there is from the very beginning of the word of God, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank thee, Lord, that thou didst come in mercy to our first father, Adam, and thou hast come in mercy to all the generations of the world. And thou hast come in mercy again to us today. Where are we, O Lord, in thy sight? Thou already dost know the answer, but do we? Lord, help us to understand. If we are in Christ, to rejoice. And if we are out of him, to seek for the mercy of the God who calls us in his gospel. Take away sin. Blessed is our final praise, for Christ's sake. Amen.